So I've actually been to Colombia, but I don't think I've had an arepa there. No? Did you even try the local delicacies? No, I was there for a wedding, and I flew in and out, so I didn't... I literally don't remember at all what I ate at the wedding, because one of the things that they had at the wedding was servers walking around with whiskey all night long. Oh, so it was a liquid dinner. It was, yeah. I mean, I definitely remember having a lot of whiskey, and then... After the wedding, I went to McDonald's and got fried chicken. See, that is a... I didn't know McDonald's had fried chicken. They do in Colombia. <laughs> that is a... Uh, that's a definitely an American abroad story. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would love to go back and, like, do other things, but it was a really fun wedding. But first up, McDonald's. <laughs> Welcome to Food Pod, the food podcast where Liz gets me food and then I have to decide what it is. <laughs> Here's your host, Liz Greenwood. Hey, Dylan. Hey. Um, well, I have some food. <laughs> yes. What uh, you have, I don't, it's breakfast sandies somehow. One of them is a breakfast sandy. Yeah. Two of them are like sandies that we are eating for breakfast. There are three sandies mm-hmm. on a plate. Mm-hmm. And one has bacon. Yep. One has beans. Yep. And the other had what I thought was hash browns. That's a big pile of cheese. A big pile of cheese. Oh, shit. <laughs> and avocado. And there's some beef in here. Okay. So what are we having these are arepas. Arepas. Have you had those before? I don't think so. Well, you're about to. What's an arepa? It's a like South American sandwich. Okay. Well, it's like well, the arepa is actually the South American bread, and then they're often served with fillings. I was going to say they look like they have English muffins as their. Well, they're not English muffins. That's why I thought they were. That's why I thought they were breakfast because they're, they're made of corn. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I don't actually know. If I've had these before either, but they're taking Chicago by storm. Oh, really? Yeah. These are the hip, these are the cronuts of... These are pretty popular. There's a lot of places that are serving them, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but you're you're on the vanguard of trendy foods. Well, I've always been a trendsetter when it comes to things. So. <laughs> Should we eat them? Yeah, I'm really hungry. All right, so what did you think? Um, good. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. That wasn't a pause of, uh, of, it was a pause of good. It was a pause of good. It was a pause, <laughs> a pause of, of resituating yes. your... Yes, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm full. You were like going and you are like, we don't have to eat all of it. And I was like, I found myself eating all of it. So. <laughs> yeah, I ate a good amount. I did eat all of it. I said a good amount to try to make it sound like I didn't eat a good, all of it. Good I, amount. Good amount. All of it. I we sure no did. Um, I, I think, but that's okay. There were three smaller sandwiches. It wasn't like a giant sandwich. Yeah, I think one and a half of those wasn't too crazy. Yeah. So, um, what did you think of the different kinds? Uh, you thought that I wasn't going to like the chicken and guacamole one or guess not really guacamole chicken and avocado mayonnaise yeah. Yeah. i liked it uh i would say 
surprising. So we didn't, I don't think before we said, because I didn't notice until we were eating it, that there were plantains in the... In the beef. In the beef one. And surprisingly, I'm not a big plantain person, but I surprisingly liked it. So if I were to rank them... Yeah. Hmm. Give, there, give them a ranking. Because there were different elements of each one that I liked. I liked the plantains, which was mm-hmm. surprising. The bacon on the breakfast one was really good. Mm-hmm. And the The sauce. sausage was really good, I felt. And the, like, the chive sauce on the bacon one was yeah, good. Yeah, the chive cream cheese was really good, uh, so... Ooh, okay. Um, Just for their listeners, the breakfast one had a very fun set of things. It had egg, sausage, and bacon cheddar cheese, and then this chive cream cheese. So two meats, two cheese components, and an egg. I don't think I even noticed the sausage. Really? The sausage was, like, one of my favorite parts. I think I was, like, wolfing it down. (laughs) I only noticed the sauce at the very end because on the last piece of bread there was, like, sauce. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say that my ranking is the breakfast, the beef, and then the, the... the, the, the chicken and avocado, chicken and avocado. But, it, but it's not that far like, yeah I think I have the same ranking too I really really enjoyed the egg sandwich yeah. it was like it had a lot of the like good elements of a fast food breakfast sandwich yes. it was nice and greasy and I felt like the components were all balanced but it also had some surprises like the cream cheese sauce and if you put that at like a diner like mm-hmm. that—that's where that one. Belongs. Yeah, that was so, that was really really good, and I think I was wanting to eat something like that right now, which helped it in my ranking. I also I felt like the plantains were really good on the beef or the beef arepa because they were not so much like there were they were like smaller slices and they were not in necessarily every bite, so they, you would get they, like. They knew what they were doing with the plantains. Yeah, a lot of times when you order something with plantains, it's like plantains all by themselves in like a sweet sauce yeah and it was like a component so you would have like a bite of beef and then you would have a bite with like a little plantain in it so it would be like this mix of like bites with sweetness and bites without sweetness and i think that's a nice way to have a sweet component in a savory dish is to get it as like a surprise in some bites but maybe not every single bite being the main flavor i felt like i could eat like, like I said before, that's the weird thing about because normally it's a sandwich, it's like the same all the way through, mm-hmm. but with these, you could have different bites of the same sandwich and taste different things. Yeah, and some of that was that they were like overflowing, Yeah, so I, things were like falling out. Yes, cutting <laughs> cutting them in half so we could both have Yeah, probably something. not recommended. I recommend not sharing this these. This is not really the best shareable thing, but like... You can eat your own and be happy. Yeah, exactly. And the like, the chicken one was just like really overflowing, and there was so much shredded cheese. Would you consider that a chicken salad sandwich? I think it is. I think that's what it's meant to be. Because if that's a chicken salad sandwich, I that might be the best chicken salad sandwich I've ever had. Because that makes sense. If you replace uh, mayonnaise with avocado Mm -hmm. i think that's a great chicken salad sandwich yeah i i like mayonnaise chicken salad so i'm not gonna go that far to say it's my favorite one ever but i like that um innovation to use the avocado as the mayo avocado as a binding agent yeah great thing yeah i i liked that and then it had just a shit ton of cheese yeah there's so much shredded cheese yeah 
Um, yeah, I guess we had all different kinds of cheeses on this one because we had the beef one had Caribbean cheese. I don't know what Caribbean cheese is. I'm not sure either. Um, I'm, oh, I'm burping. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, but it's good. It's one of those good burps when you like taste it again when you're burping. I think it's queso blanco. Oh, cool. A creamy, mild-tasting white cheese, which yes. I think matches what it was. And then Gouda was on the chicken salad. Ooh. Yeah, that had a, had a lot more flavor. That's fancy for a chicken a salad. Flavorful, uh, cheese. And then did the, was there cheese on the breakfast one? Like cheddar. Cheddar. Yeah, and nice. then the cream cheese. No, but it was very heightened, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because when you get a breakfast sandwich, and we've had some real good sandwiches. Yeah. And breakfast sandwiches. And we haven't had like a... Like a poor man's whatever. Well, we had po' boys, which is bad, <laughs> not for but, breakfast though. But <laughs> we, but but it, it was definitely not what you're expecting when you just like get a sandwich. You know? Yeah, what I, mean? I think um, it makes me think we should do a madness, but with sandwiches. A sa- oh man, like, sandwich madness. How would you pick eight? You have yeah. to do sixty-four. That's the thing with like <laughs> sandwiches, like. Anything is a sandwich. Yeah, well, that's a that's a whole other that's uh, a hot topic argument of what is and is not a sandwich. Do you, do you know what? Uh, do you know the Chris Gethard show? I know of him. So they did like a thing on his like public access show that was also on the internet. Where, oh right. Where it was like sandwich night, uh-huh. and the, it was the Wednesday before uh, Thanksgiving every year, and they were just like everybody got to like bring their own sandwich and it was nobody had the exact same sandwich oh cool so i think like but did people bring like hot dogs and try to be annoying no because like anything between their criteria was anything between two pieces of like bread as a sandwich so people got like and even people were like doing like ice cream sandwiches so you would say this is definitely falls in the sandwich oh absolutely i mean i think i think i would say that too i'm not as uh dogmatic about sandwiches as i am about some other uh food stuff because i think that like a sandwich is a pretty open interpretation thing yeah i'm fine with that so um let's talk about the restaurant because i don't think we've mentioned them yet let's so we got this from 11 degree north okay which is um in lakeview on belmont you've probably seen it belmont and halstead oh i go by there almost on a daily basis yeah Um, so they are, uh... Is that that diner that's right there across from the construction? No. It's, it is across from the, con- no, it's not the diner that's across from the construction. It's, it's, on, it, it's on Belmont. Is it on the same... This is a very niche conversation. Is it on the same side of the street as the, uh, the ramen place? It's, um, yeah, yeah. It's okay, by the ramen place. Um... In case you're looking. If you you're looking, just... go to the ramen place. You're in the right. Go to the ramen place and walk a little bit further down Belmont. So, um, it, they, they, make, they make a few different things. They mainly do make arepas. Um, and they say that they're trying to do them with more traditional American fillings. Although I went contrary to them and picked some fillings that are more traditional to Venezuela. What are, what are the traditional American fillings? I think the egg and cheddar oh, okay. is like... The breakfast sandwich is more of a quintessential American sandwich. Nice. Um, their menu just has a lot of um, different options. There's a few different pulled pork ones. There's a few different chicken ones, a few different breakfast ones. They have lox and Ooh. shrimp and cucumber. Ooh. Um, a few vegetarian ones. So they, they really like, 
wide range. And then if you don't even want a sandwich at all, you can get an arepa with butter, with the cream cheese. Um, so it is like a bagel. Yeah, it's sort of, I mean, it's not It's not like a bagel in how it, it's, it's made. Nothing it's, about it is like a bagel, but except for in the use of How it's it. used, yeah. And then they do also have some biscuit sandwiches and some bagel sandwiches, which they say is for people who aren't ready to leave their comfort zone and try an arepa. I like that. I I think it's weird when, so there's a Southport or South Loop uh, deli by my work. Yeah. And you can get, you can pick your bread, like bagel, English muffin, even like a even like a wrap, uh-huh. and they will do it for you, and you pick it. I don't. I think it's weird when you can't like pick what vessel you want in your yeah. Because it's like it, you could very easily make this sandwich with this bread that I know you already have because it's a part of this sandwich. <laughs> you know? No, this sandwich goes on this bread. Yeah, we know better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and so but so I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, it doesn't say that you can get any sandwich on any bread at this place, but they have. I feel a like lot why of, would you, if it's an arepa place, why would you want? Why would you get a biscuit? I bet they have good biscuits though. Um, so the the owners are from Venezuela, um, which is one of the countries where arepas are um, found in, mm-hmm. and. Uh, they this is what is an interesting tidbit from their website is they said that they found the location on Belmont and that's been a I I used to live right around there and that's been a few different restaurants and I guess it became available and so they decided to open a restaurant and then they figured out what they were going to sell oh wow <laughs> which is not the typical order of things I think no that's very uh that's very betting on yourself, kind of. Right. They're like, okay, we'll open a restaurant. What do we like? What are we going to make? What are we going to do? <laughs> but I think it's, I mean, it's good. I like it. And um, like I said, they're on, like, arepas are trending in Chicago. There's a lot of places that have opened up in the last, like, five years. And one of the reasons they're trendy is that they're gluten-free. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it strictly Venezuelan, or are there arepas other places? They're also in Colombia. Okay. Um, and then they're also in other South American countries as well. But Colombia and Venezuela are the countries that really claim the arepa. And actually, they're almost bigger in Colombia than they are in Venezuela. I mean, they're very popular in both places. Mm-hmm. But Colombia, like, named the arepa the cultural symbol of Colombia and... Like, I wondered what was on the Colombian flag. <laughs> um, and they have, like, I went to their country's tourism website, and they have their ho- own whole page of, like, the history of arepas and, oh, like, wow. all the different varieties we have in Colombia. There's, like, 75 different regional varieties. Um, but I did learn the Colombian version is a little different from the Venezuelan version. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Colombian arepas are, there's 75 regional varieties, as I right. mentioned, but they're generally um, thinner and wider. So, these were, like, shaped like an English muffin, sort of in thickness and diameter. Uh-huh. I think in Colombia, they're a little bit thinner, and then they just use toppings, so they're, they're, they function more like a flatbread. Whereas this, they tend, in Venezuela, they tend to use it as, like, a sandwich, so they... So, it's more like a tostada, kind of... Yeah, though not as thin as a tostada, I would guess, because it's like masa dough. Right. But um, I think it's like more, you would just put toppings on it. And the most traditional arepas are super simple. It's just like butter or cheese or like an egg. And then Venez- I think in Venezuela is where 
the big, like, more more elaborate more filling. Sa- more of a sandwich. Yeah, like a sandwich. But um, you can do it all kinds of ways because the arepa just refers to the bread. And even in Venezuela, like, people eat an arepa with butter. In Colombia, people eat an arepa with filling. So it's yeah. not like... It's not like you cross the border and it's like you can't have no, it this way, but it's just like what's more common or traditional. If, if you still don't aren't picturing this, it's an English muffin. Like, right, but it's made of corn. Yeah, but it's better. It's better, than, but like looks-wise and usage-wise. Yeah, like, yeah. It looks like an English muffin. Yeah, so it's not, it doesn't have nooks and crannies in the same way and it's not made of flour, right. but it's... Um, but I will tell you, because I'm not a big... Uh, corn tortilla person. Yeah. But I like this. I was really interested how you would think about it because I know that corn tortillas aren't your favorite. I think my big thing about corn tortillas is like they're dry. Mm -hmm. Like they're drier than like a flour tortilla. And I think that this was very moist. This was... Yeah. And it might have been the abundance of juicy meats and cheeses. Right. and, And things on it that made it moist. But I wouldn't say that the arepa was any drier than like an English muffin. No, it wasn't like, dry it at wasn't, all. It was so it's but it's a different process for making corn tortilla. So it is made from corn, but the process is that um, the traditional process was that you would soak corn kernels, dehusk them, and then dry them and grind them into the flour. Okay. Then the flour gets mixed with water to create a ball of dough, and then you flatten it into a disc, and then. Traditionally, it was cooked on a hot clay surface, um, which would toast it on both sides, but leave the inside soft and moist. So it's it's closer to, like, a masa dough than, like, a corn tortilla. Okay, yeah. Um, and so now that we're getting into the history, this is what's really interesting about arepas, because we talk a lot about how, like, colonization and just, like, global movement has impacted different foods. Not the arepa. They are the same. The one, the one thing that resists uh, col- uh, globalization. Exactly. It's um. They are. They've been unchanged. They were indigenous people in the Venezuela, Colombia area were making arepas before Western or Europeans came over. Um. So like pre-Columbian, it was like something that they were making. Corn has been cultivated for 2,800 years in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. So sometime between, like, 2,800 years ago and, like, 1,400s is when people started making them. And, like, I think the date isn't very well pinpointed, but, like, archaeological sites have, like, the clay um, surfaces that they would cook them on. So it's... And the process really didn't change. Very interesting. Yeah, so... The only, like, big change to the arepa process is um, in 1954, a man named Luis Caballero Mejijas, uh, Mejijas, I'm, I tried. I believe you. Uh, <laughs> invented uh, pre-cooked arepa flour. So as of the 1950s, you, could buy the, you could buy the flour and you could just mix it with water or, like, an egg or whatever and make your dough much easier than like having before that people were literally like grinding their corn themselves and so that made it like way more accessible to have arepas all the time when the pre-cooked dough um it was invented speaking of accessibility i'm wondering can you buy it already cooked from a store like the bread 
Can you buy an array? I mean, yeah. you can buy it by itself. You can buy it by you can buy. Can you buy like a pack of them and like ma- and like eat them at home? Like, do you think if you go to the right like if you go to the right grocery store? Yeah, like a Colombian or a Venezuelan grocery store or a Venezuelan bakery. Like, looks like it. Okay, cool. Because I because I mean, I, they have it on Instacart. Oh, good. All right. Well, I know what we're doing for breakfasts this week. Sweet. Yeah. More more egg eggs on arepas. It will not be as good as this, but. But yeah, so that's so that's anyway. Long story short, that's why they're gluten free because they're made entirely of corn. But they're very like they 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 do have ethanol alcohol. (laughs) The um. We also this episode is sponsored by the Iowa Corn Bureau. (laughs) The Iowa Corn Bureau. Try some corn. Try some corn. (laughs) Have you heard of this thing called corn? Got corn? Got corn. <laughs> no one needs any encouragement to eat corn. It's in everything. <laughs> the Iowa Corn Bureau. Try some corn today. One of the, I think one of the, because like corn is just like a component of so many foods you don't think of, like Swedish fish are made of corn syrup. Oh yeah. Did you, I think, was this in like Omnivore's Dilemma, which I think the, as time has passed, has become less of a like, popular book but i they um i feel like that's where i read that like americans consume more corn than like the aztecs (laughs) i believe it (laughs) like which had like a extremely corn-based diet based on what was growing and it's like we just everything we just everything is corn the only the only crop that can fill up your car, but your body doesn't process it. <laughs> um, yeah, so what what else do you want to know about Areva? So they um, have been around forever, uh, and there's a lot of different ways to eat them. Um, and Oh, and the, so this is why they are um, all over... Chicago. This is where we still get into some sticky history. Nice. It's um, good sticky. Yeah. So, did you know that um, when Hugo Chavez became president of Venezuela in 1999, between 1999 and 2015, uh, like 9% of Venezuelans left? Yes. So, like 1.8 million people emigrated to other countries. And that's why, like, 20 years ago, you didn't see a lot of places selling arepas, but now there's, like, a lot. Because they went to other countries and now... And then opened up restaurants. And now, 20 years ago, they, they, have, the, they have the capital to have a restaurant? Basically. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and people didn't all immediately leave in 1999, so there's, like, a steady outflow of people. And then some of them opened... Do you, think, and... do you think that Venezuelan food is, like, on the vanguard of, like, it's about to, like, boom with stuff? Like, like not just arepas, but, like, that it's one of the next cuisines that people are going to, like, start, like, giving more shine to? I think probably. I mean, I think especially, like, in terms of this kind of, like, cafe street food, I think it's, po- it's popping up yeah. in different places. I also think in a place like Chicago that has such a huge uh, Latin American like uh, connection to all Latin yeah. American countries, it's like a place where it's like something like this, which is a little outside of like 
the Anglo-centric American like view will people will give it more of a chance here than in some places. Yeah, I think people in Chicago are more open to trying something they haven't had before, but it's also not like asking you to do something too hard. No, it's, it's a, still a, it's it's still a, a sandwich. Corn sandwich. It's like, still a it's, sandwich. And so there's a lot of familiar ingredients, and it's not that different from things that people are familiar with. So even if you haven't had an arepa, you've certainly had like things that are similar. I think you could have taken me to this place and been like, get this sandwich. Mm-hmm. Pick the one that you want. Yeah. And I would have eaten it. And if you had told me that it was some different kind of bread, I would have not even realized it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought that was an interesting point of like the foods that we eat here in America are partially influenced by who emigrates here and why. Right. So I think that's like, it's it's just interesting, like in terms of like access to different things too, because I think about how Burmese food is very popular in the Bay Area, but then we don't have any of it at all. Yeah, it's all where they sell. I think that remember when we saw the Minari movie? Yeah, and there was like the guy. He was what was he? Vietnam? No, he was Korean. Korean, and he like made a farm in Arkansas mm-hmm. to grow Korean food and mm-hmm. then try to sell to the Korean immigration or immigrant population. Yeah. Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it makes it makes total sense. I think like that's that's part of what it takes to like have your food in a different location is like have the components available. Yeah. We should take that and we should go someplace and sell cheeseburgers. <laughs> I mean, we saw the hot chicken place in the Netherlands. Yeah, they're all opening, and it's all yeah. like it's all like America Town. Yeah, America Town, hot chicken. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about some of the fillings that we had too. Yes. So we talked a lot about the bread. Um, we talked about how fillings can range from being very simple to very complicated. So, like shredded cheese by itself or mm-hmm. butter. Um, And then some of the more traditional fillings in Venezuela are avocado, uh, shredded chicken, shredded beef, which we had, um, beans, chicharrones, which we didn't have. Um, Chicharrones are the, like, pork groin. Yeah, crispy pork skin. Crispy crispy pork skin. So you can have that on a sandwich. It's so funny because I thought that I hated chicharrones. And then we had a party, and Mm -hmm. somebody left some, and I was like, we're you not, just, like, kept eating I them. just kept, like, eating a handful of it. And it's like, is this who I've... I've become a pork groin kind of guy? Which I guess I'm... I did the same thing with corn nuts. Like, oh, yeah. I don't like corn I don't nuts. like corn nuts either, but I will eat a they're whole bag so of them. They're so crunchy. They're crunchy and they're salty. I would rather eat my corn in the form of an arepa. <laughs> brought to you by the Corn Council. Iowa Corn. Um... So two of the sandwiches we had, so the egg and sausage and bacon, that's just a breakfast sandwich. But the um, hop, the chicken avocado sandwich is called Reina Pepiata. Okay. And that's named in honor of the first Venezuelan woman to win Miss World. Okay. <laughs> whose name was not Reina Pepiata. Question. Question. Uh, is this what the restaurant calls it? This is or what is it's it? called in Venezuela. Holy shit. Yeah. So it's imagine a, it, having a whole imagine being 
like the Reuben, like you know. Yeah, like, but this you're is, still alive. Well, this was in 1955. Oh, okay. So she may or may not still be alive. Right. Her name is Susanna Duhim. That's not what the name of the sandwich is. Nope. Do you know what Reina Pepiata means? No. It means Kirby Queen. Hell yeah. So not only does she have a sandwich named after her that, like, lives on... It's the Lizzo sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> she, she has, like, a sandwich named after her called Kirby Queen that, like, is... One Arepa shop named it that, and then it just became, I guess, popular in general. So it's all over. Wait, so that was the... the... Avocado and chicken. The one. avocado and chicken. Okay. And but it's not named after her name. It's named Kirby, Kirby Queen. Queen. But everybody knows it's about her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess. Yeah, I think so. That's bizarre. Yeah. So she was the first Venezuelan to win an international beauty pageant. Okay. But Venezuela is apparently very competitive in the international beauty pageant space. Now, is she a Kirby Queen? Well. From beauty, from beauty pageant standards. She's not. She's like, she's not curvy in the way that that term is used in America today. Okay. Okay. She definitely looks like a. She just looks like a beauty queen. Yeah. Here's a. Here I'll show you. Here's a picture. Okay. Which isn't like her whole body, but. I mean, you need some. You need more curves to be called the curvy queen. I'm sorry. She wouldn't. I mean, we. If you called her the curvy queen today, it would be. It'd be like calling a it's called calling a big person tiny. Yeah. You know? Okay. Like yeah, yeah but, but she has a very standard beauty pageant. But it's the nineteen fifties. It's the nineteen fifties. It's the nineteen fifties. So. Who knows what the person meant when he said curvy at that time. But <laughs> um he definitely wasn't using it the way in the way that it's used, used today. today. She had a uh, she had a m- membership at Curbs. <laughs> curbs gym. <laughs> Never been there. Neither have I. I don't think men are allowed. Yeah, I don't know if you are. I don't think I am. I think it's the ladies only. I think it's women only, but I also... Curbs. It's not for men. <laughs> Did you ever see the Yorkie bar? No. Um, in, it's Wait, a... are we talking about Yorkie pies or Yorkie, Yorkie dogs? Yorkie bar. It's a candy bar. Oh. And it says Yorkie. It's not for girls, and it has like a picture of a woman with a line through well, it. Well, we've talked about Dr. Pepper 10. That's the soda for men. Diet soda soda for dudes. And that's what it said. It's like, it's not for women. I guess this (laughs) is a long line of things being advertised not for other things because... As a culture, we're all contrarians, so it's like, yeah. I'm going to buy that. Oh, I, I bought so many Yorkie bars, I'd be like, hee, 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 it's not for girls. Yeah. But, like, who cares? But I, mean, I think look, that's, But, yeah. like, does that work the other way around? Like, if something was like, it's not for men, would you want yeah, it? I believe that there are men that would try to sneak into curves if they're told they can't. <laughs> but that's probably for a lot of different... I don't think that there are a lot of things that are marketed, like, men can't have this. Yeah. Because there's, like... Strong enough for a man, made for a woman. Right. But I think there's not anything that's like, don't touch men because it's very... Men, men are, men I think it's very easy to keep men away by just saying something is for women. Making, like it, making, making it, it pink. pink. Yeah, making it pink. That was like, one of, this is very off topic now, but one of the weirdest things was when I went to Target to get Body Glide, yes. which is like an anti-chafing thing for athletes, and they had they were sold out of regular body glide uh-huh. but they had lots of body glide for women 
And when I looked at it, it was identical, except that it was in a pink thing. Yep. And you know who has pink body glide? You. I do. <laughs> because I was buying it for because you. Because you were and buying I was it like, for me. It's the same. It's just in a pink thing. Yeah. <laughs> and you asked, "Do you care?" And I was, and I asked, "Is there a difference?" And I said, "No, except it's in a pink container." And that's fine. It's the price difference, though. <laughs> that's the. That's a good question. It probably was. It was probably more expensive, but it was also the only one there. So right. they give you the lady tax. The lady tax. The pink tax. That's a literal thing. The pink tax. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the other. <laughs> Um, uh, Arepa filling. I keep trying to say empanada, and this is not an empanada. It's, it's not arepa. remotely an empanada. Um, is pabellon, which is the national dish of Venezuela. Pabellon? Pa- it's P-A-B-E-L-L-O-N. Oh, okay. Not so, like the French movie. Not papillon. Not like the... Not the butterflyer. Yeah. Is that the word for butterfly? Yeah, I think it's the French word for butterfly because the... The, the movie about the prisoner escaping had to do with butter. He, oh, butter okay. Flies. I didn't know that. I, when you said prison, I'm like, I don't know if they would name a prison after no, a butterfly. No, I think the, prisoner's but the prisoner's name is named. was Pabellon. Yeah, okay. So Pabellon is... The, so the national dish of Venezuela is not in an arepa, but this is basically taking the components and putting them in an arepa. So it's... Um, Rice, which was not one of the ingredients, and then black beans, fried plantains, and shredded beef. And I was, I like saw it, and I was like, "Yep, that's the one that Liz picked out because it has beans." <laughs> I picked that out for you because you said you wanted beef. Yes, he did, and, and I liked it more than some other bean stuff that we've had. Yeah, I'm, I'm bad because I, I wasn't gonna get this one with the beans because I knew you would be like, "You got this because you like beans." Uh huh. But then when I realized that it was the national dish, I was yeah. like, that's why I'm it was a good, It was a solid choice. Yeah, I almost got one that was almost the same but didn't have beans no, in it. No, I think I can be an adult and eat beans. <laughs> Adults eat beans. Adults eat beans. Yeah, so that's the different kinds of arepas we had, plus egg and cheese. Big fan. Big fan of all. Yeah. Nope. No, no complaints. Thank I, you. I thank you. Again. Thank you, Iowa Corn Bureau. Thanks, Iowa Corn Bureau. <laughs> we don't even know where this corn is from. No, but all corn comes from Iowa. All of it. That would, be, a, that would be an interesting thing to see how much of the world's corn comes from. Probably not as much as Probably Iowa. not as much because a lot of other places grow corn. Not as much as the Iowa Corn Bureau wants you to think. I don't even know how if it goes past like our borders. Do we export a lot of corn? Uh, don't know. That's that's, that's a, a different that's a different episode. That's a topic for my other podcast about exports. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming in and going out with Liz Greenwood? Well, this week we are selling new uh new world's uh farmers almanac just dropped. <laughs> let's see what let's see let's see what the grow season's gonna be. Let's see what the grow season's gonna be like. Oh, man. <laughs> when I was back home, I saw on my bookshelf I have an almanac from 1996. And I was tempted to, like, see what was going on, but I didn't look at it. <laughs> Maybe I should have my mom send it to me. <laughs> we could do a new podcast where we just talk about the world in 1996. That's it. This is the year that was. <laughs> 1996. This is your life. So, um... I had a fun dinner a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, which you didn't get to go I was to. Not there. This you is... were not invited. All right. Well, I'll check out. You can talk about your dinner. You ate uh, the leftovers, I did. though. So I, you... you brought me home a doggy bag. Yeah, you had uh, all of it. 
You tried everything I tried. I did. So you just didn't have it in the restaurant. You did. You brought it home, and you were like, I'm on my way home. I'm bringing you some. While I was heating up, like, what was I eating? Oh, oh, it was like a bag of, like, orange chicken that I got from Target. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, I'll eat it later. Yeah, you did. You tried everything, right? I did. Yeah, so I went to Khmer Cambodian Fine Dining, which is, like, one of the hottest openings of last year, like, in Chicago and the country. Some of the things that it's accolades it's received are it was one of Eater's 15 Best New Restaurants Nationwide. Whoa. It's also a James Beard semifinalist for Best New Restaurant. The whole country? Yeah, the whole country. Not the region. Not the region. The whole country. Um, Also, side note, a few other places we've featured on the podcast have uh, James Beard nominations, including... Sonic. Sonic. Raising Cane. (laughs) Sonic is nominated for American Classic. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lie. Um, The chef at uh, Coach House... Nice. ...is nominated for Best Chef in the Midwest... And then Damar from Virtue, and uh, I, I don't know if he's in Daisies as well or, or if that's just Eric Williams, but um, Damar is nominated for Emerging Chef. Nice. Which is really exciting. That's a big honor. That's a nationwide one, too. Cool. So. Um, and we got Best Podcast. Yes, we were nominated for Best Podcast in Apartment 11C. Oh, now now they know our entire address. If they well, piece it together through... That's about how narrow it would have to be for us to win. But I'm also saying that this podcast beats your other podcast. Are you saying that there... And my podcast Whoa. about imports and exports. Whoa. Are you saying that there are other food podcasts in this building that we don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> and that we couldn't... That we wouldn't be able to beat? I am saying that. Wow. <laughs> Somebody else in our apartment building has a food podcast. It's a rival. It's a rivalry. A rivalry. Right. We should put. We should start advertising our podcast on like the billboard by the laundry room, and then see if the other podcast that I'm imagining exists starts like putting their sign over our sign. I'm no, gonna, listen to this food podcast. I'm gonna start replying all to our uh, <laughs> building to our building manager. I don't think you can because I'm sure that would have happened. I'm gonna reply all to the building manager. And be like, hey. I don't know if you guys want this. But. <laughs> Just so you know, there's a podcast. Yep. <laughs> so it's like there's only room for one podcast in this apartment building about food. Yep. Um, so <laughs> Kamai Cambodian Fine Dining. Very excited to try it. It has so many accolades. I think people are really excited about it because Cambodian food is not... Um, Super common. There's only one other Cambodian restaurant in Chicago. And um, they opened in the pandemic. So Chef Mona Sang is the chef. Um, She was a survivor of the Cambodian genocide along with her mother and some of her other family members. And I think she was a small child when they moved to the U.S. Um, But her mother went through obviously a very very difficult time getting here from cambodia um and the story of how they started making food is that they when they first came to the u.s as when you come to the u.s as a refugee you kind of just get whatever food they give you and so they would get like 
packaged, she said, like, packaged goods like mac and cheese mm. and didn't know how to make it. What general time period was this of the Cambodian genocide? Um, that way I know, like, what the, because uh, it was, like, what's it was the this? 1970s. Okay, cool. So 1975 to 1979. So like after the Vietnam War, kind of. Yeah, so okay. this is um, the Khmer Rouge. Okay. Um, and not to get, like, too deep into this, because it's a bummer topic that isn't really related to food, but it was... The, the Cambodian genocide in particular targeted literally anybody who they thought would challenge them. So it was all kinds of people. They Indiscriminately. Indiscriminately. And they, like, anybody who was educated um, was a potential threat. Mm-hmm. So, like... I think I was reading one of the articles about this restaurant was talking about they'd be like, is anybody a doctor? And they would just murder you. That's a bummer. Yeah, it was um, very bad. But... But we have a really good restaurant in Chicago now. <laughs> oh, man. So... Um, they so she initially then they came here they were eating craft macaroni and cheese they didn't know how to and they didn't really like it and then they found um, Asian grocery stores and her mother started catering and so she started a business mainly for the Cambodian refugee community mm-hmm. and this is what I think is interesting we talked about on the podcast sort of how foods evolve in new places because the ingredients are different and then if you're opening a restaurant you're potentially catering for a variety of different palates and so when we talk about american chinese food it's starts with some aspects of chinese food but it's also for an american audience and Khmer cambodian uh fine dining is not necessarily trying to change recipes to appeal to an American palate. And I think where some of that comes from is that when her mother was cooking in her catering business, she was mostly serving other Cambodians and trying as much as possible to bring them flavors of home. Right. That makes sense. It was a different intent. It was because when you come, I feel like when you come someplace as a refugee versus as like, uh, looking for like a better opportunity, you're mm-hmm. less likely to assimilate to try to assimilate uh, than you are when you're like, I'm trying to like become an American. Yeah, I think there's there's an intentionality of like I'm moving to America to be an American versus I'm moving to America because it's not safe to live in my home country anymore. Right. Yeah. Um. That makes sense. Yeah. Which um, connects back to the Venezuelan food in Chicago as well. Um, so then, so the chef of Khmer Cambodian is, uh, she started working as a chef for Let Us Entertain You. Oh, okay. And so she wasn't cooking Cambodian food. She was working for like different Let Us Entertain You restaurants. But then she was furloughed during the pandemic. So this is a new... Yeah, this is a new concept. So basically, I think... Both of both her and her mother were going through hard times during the pandemic, and so they started cooking Cambodian food together just as like an activity. Some like 
kind of like how you started cooking as like a way to not be miserable in the I pandemic. I need a better identity than just a white dude from Oklahoma. <laughs> I could have made a business out of it. Yeah, that well, you just needed to have narrowed down to like one thing that you really liked. Right. Um, so they weren't even cooking it for others. They were just cooking it for themselves and posting it on social media. And people were like, wow, what is that? That looks amazing. And so they started the catering business again. And then that took off really fast. And so then they opened the restaurant in 2022. That's a really quick chain of events. Yeah, that's it's a really fast timeline to go from like... I mean, it makes sense because she was already a professional chef. Yeah. It's not like going from nothing to a restaurant in two years. She like, knew, and, and she worked for one of the, like, biggest, like, restaurateur groups. Yeah. So she knew the business. Yeah, so it's not, like, coming in with nothing. But, yeah, it's basically going from, like, two years ago, I don't think she had any intention of opening a Cambodian restaurant and, and now it's being nominated. Now it's, for... like, getting just all these awards. Um, and I think, like, one of the reasons why it's getting so much national attention is that it's they're doing Cambodian food, and it's very much, like, traditional in the food that she, her mother grew up cooking and that they grew up eating. Um, and when I got there, so we, the, but when we were ordering... The server was literally like when I so the, especially it was the fish dip. So I ordered, um, the, it's a traditional catfish dip, uh, and when we ordered it, she said, "Just so you know, this is very fishy. Like, there's no refunds if you yeah. don't like if it." Don't which like I think it, is, yeah. I think that's that's partly a joke because I don't think anybody is ever going to be like, "Oh, well, in that case," but like, I mean. I believe some people would taste it and be like, you didn't tell me it was this fishy. <laughs> yeah, so they did warn us. Like, we got, like, an explicit warning. And you know what? It was fishy. I yep. mean, it's, it was a catfish dip. And there was, there, there is a lot of fish sauce that is uh, one of the hallmarks of traditional Cambodian food. Right. Um, it's called prahak, and it's a paste of salted and fermented fish that's used as a seasoning and a condiment. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, some other hallmarks of Cambodian food are kriung, I'm probably saying that wrong, which is a spice blend um, with lime leaves, lemongrass, turmeric, and galangal, mm -hmm. which is a tropical ginger. Ooh. So those are some of the things that make something uniquely Cambodian. Um, but there's... Elements that you would see also in Thai cooking. There's elements that you would see in Vietnamese cooking because they're all in the same yeah. region. But yeah, the so the catfish dip, I really liked. But like the server did say, like it takes a couple bite to get used to the flavor if you aren't used to eating it. You got You got It's like wine. You have to yeah. smell it <laughs> and you have to swoosh it around in your mouth yeah. a little bit. No, the first the first bite was like really strong. Overpowering fish, fish sauce, and then once you get used to it, you're like, okay, like this is a good flavor, and I like it. But you do have to like let it go for like another couple of bites. I feel like, <laughs> but I liked how I really liked how it was served because like we the they gave us a bunch of vegetables to dip in it, uh -huh. and you tried this like the the peppers, yeah. and then there was cabbage leaves. And they were, like, triangles, so they were kind of, like, really similar to nachos. And I was like, wait, you could do a lot of things with, like, cabbage leaves as your chip. 
I've never seen like catfish in a dip before, too. Yeah, I had never seen. I mean, you've seen like I've seen oyster dip. I've seen like crab dip. Crab dip, but I've never seen like a fish. fish. And this wasn't like a crab dip because it wasn't like there wasn't dairy in it. Oh, okay. Like it was more of a like it wasn't it wasn't like a crab dip. Interesting. You had it. Yeah. Yeah. But I I I also didn't have it as like. I didn't have the warning about this. You didn't have the warning of the. I think I said this is fishy. You didn't tell me no refunds. (laughs) You still refunds on leftovers I bring you home. Yeah, no, I. uh, It's interesting. uh, Now I'm thinking conceptually what can. Because we have half of a a cabbage head in the fridge, and I'm like, what can I do with it now? We'll make nachos. Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) It's soggy. Or, well, don't, don't cook things on it, but like. Make a dip make that you a can dip. dip. Yeah, make like a dippable. Make a corned beef dip. With your corned beef that you have? Well, we're out of corned beef, but... Oh, because but oh, you eat corned beef with cabbage. Make a blender, blend up some corned beef into a sauce. <laughs> 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 I don't know. I I liked the catfish dip, but I'm not sure if I'm sold on every type of protein being blended into a dip. All right, let's get some awful and make an awful dip. Get a get fog like a like a liver. Yeah, make a mousse. Make a little pate, and yeah. put I, that would be good on cabbage. Yeah, don't you think? I don't know because I'm not a big cabbage person. I'm not a big raw cabbage person. Uh, okay. So. Well, maybe I'll learn how to do that. <laughs> um. So, uh, I want to talk about the egg rolls. Do it. Did you, you had an egg roll, right? I believe so. I don't know, because it was late. <laughs> the the egg rolls are um, the one thing that, like, every review talks about. They're, just, and they're, they're basically called, like, mom's egg rolls. And, oh, my God, they're so good. They were, like, especially, uh, I'm still rubbing it in, but I had them, like, fresh out of the kitchen. Yeah. And they are, like, perfectly, they're so crispy. They're, like, greasy, but not, like, so greasy that it's, like, a grease bomb. But they're, like, the right amount of, like, how greasy you want an egg roll to be. Uh-huh. They're, like, I like the size. They're, like, a little bit thinner than typically. And so they're, like, they don't fall apart when you eat them. That is the thing. I like a smaller egg roll. Like, I don't like when you're yeah. getting, like, like greasy Chinese and they give you, like, an egg roll the size of your forearm right like, i like a small tight like more like wonton wrapper yep. style egg roll yeah and so these are these were not big they're they're like like and what i like about the thinner is you get more of like the crispy exterior yeah. in every bite and then they're filled with ground chicken taro and bean thread noodles and so like there's no like filler like what's a bean thread noodle that's all the information I have about oh, okay. what a bean thread noodle is. I will... <laughs> no, you don't have to look it up. I'm looking it I've up now, but I spelled it. it boodles. So I don't... <laughs> boodles. Boodles caboodles. Um, so they're made from mung beans, oh. which are the heads of bean sprouts. And so that's funny because I was like, there's not any of that sprouts just like but wasting space. Yeah. But I think these noodles are like you that same ingredient, but they're like a little bit better. Nice. Um... Or like cellophane noodles. Um, glass noodles. Yes, I like glass noodles. Yeah, that's that's what they are. Big fan. Um, so 
Anyway, what I liked about it is the filling, there was there was no filler in the filling, so to speak. It was, like, all, like, meaty, like, flavorful, like, everything contributed to, like, it tasting amazing. And so if, if I had just gotten the egg rolls, I would have been convinced that this was one of the top restaurants, even if I hadn't had anything else on the menu. Like, they're very, very good. Nice. And they're, so the menu changes pretty regularly but the egg rolls are one of the things that i think is always available that makes sense also you got six of them in an order which is so many is that a lot of egg rolls i think so it's usually like two that's not if they're like the smaller ones yeah no they were they were smaller but when they came out i was like oh man we got six (laughs) (laughs) um so I was a big fan. You also, I know you liked the fried crispy pork belly. I, look, you can, the, the way to my heart is through a pork belly. <laughs> and that was, that was marinated in sweet soy, lemongrass, and garlic. And then served with rice. But I don't even know if I ate it with the rice. I think I just ate she the just pork ate belly the pork myself. Belly. Yeah. Um, and then, what did you think of the, do you remember the beef stew? Uh, yes, but it was already, see, you got to talk about these and not me, because I had things when they had already been cooled down, so uh-huh. they weren't as they were supposed to be. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's a different episode where we talk about, like, the proper way to, like, reheat leftovers. Right. But. Yeah, no, the beef stew was just, like, really flavorful and rich and hearty and Kind had like of a like curry on it or something, right? Yeah, it's just so star anise is one of the like oh, okay. flavors that I think was like different from a normal beef stew. Yeah. I shouldn't say normal, a typical American beef right. stew. Like a beef stew that I would make. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think like I think if somebody this is what I would say is if you're not um, super experienced in Southeast Asian food, like the beef stew and the egg rolls are both like very, very approachable. And the pork belly. The pork belly too. I think the catfish dip was a little like further outside of my comfort zone, but I ultimately like after having one or two bites, I was like, okay, I get where this is coming from. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was really tasty. And I do think we should do more veggies. As the dipping vehicle. I think we should do more eating at Cambodian food because I didn't get to go. Yeah, we'll go back. We'll go back. They also had really good cocktails. Mm. Um, they uh, they uh, the, that was what I really really liked. They had a old fashioned with a lychee flavor. Ooh. And you could I I wasn't sure. I was worried that like. A whiskey drink would overpower the lychee, mm-hmm. but it didn't. It nice. was like you could definitely like taste it in there. Nice. And I really enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad that you had a good time. Yeah, and I'm telling you about it. But I brought it back for you to try. You did. I did get to try it. <laughs> I think you brought, you, you saved some and you brought it back so you could talk about it on the podcast and yeah. have somebody to talk about it And so it you with. wouldn't be like, so I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, yes, yes. And um, we did. And I, I guess I could have invited my friend to be on the podcast, but... Well, that's a different... That's your that's your other podcast. That's my other podcast where I interview my friends about exports. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird podcast. I'd be like, here's our guest. She's my friend. She does not work in importing or exporting. She's not an economist. Well, I would probably be the best... Imp- I would say that would be the best import-export podcast of this apartment building. Of this building. apartment 
building. Of the building. You know, I mean, I feel like almost everybody probably has an import no, export podcast. No, no, I think it's just you. Just me. <laughs> All right, anything else? Nope, I think we did an episode. All right, that's the episode. Follow us on the socials. Yeah. For pod. Leave us a review. We would love some more reviews, especially on Spotify, because we need more reviews for the review to be visible. Review to. Hey folks, if you want to try any of the food we had on today's podcast, we got a repas from 11 Degree North, which is at 824 West Belmont Avenue in Chicago. And then the Cambodian food came from Khmer Cambodian Fine Dining, uh, which is located at 2043 West Howard Street in Chicago. 